Welcome to the Genuine Gals Podcast, where we talk about real shit in a fun way. Just two gal pals talking about life like we're out to lunch. Let's get into it. Okay, welcome everyone to this week's episode. Today we're going to dive in the concept of a mate value, particularly how it relates to women and being a genuine woman, of course. So we're going to see how we can navigate the ideas based on the research done by David Buss, an evolutionary psychologist who has found very interesting ideas on sexual selection and what people do to enhance their mate value. So excited to take a dive. Let's get into it. Hello, Cammie. Hey. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Thank you for agreeing to tackle this discussion uh, with me about mate value. I think it's a pretty big topic and we've kind of touched on it before, but it's, I think in this sense, I want to talk about it more theoretically. Cool. So David Buss, he's amazing, an evolutionary psychologist. And back in the late 80s, he did a very foundational study in the field of evolutionary psychology on um, sex differences in human mate preferences. And the hypothesis was essentially that there are universal characteristics that indicate mate value in men and women. The male mate value is based on their ability to acquire resources or their resource acquisition potential. So even if they are young and don't necessarily have a lot of income or the best job right now, um, they'll still, we'll, we'll review them for indicators of resource acquisition. So high IQ, uh, discipline, you know, drive to go out and and make things happen for themselves, like those kinds of things. Um, the ability to move up in hierarchy. So even if that is in college, let's say, we we still evaluate that. We're always doing that kind of in the background of our mind. But for women, um, our indicators are very physical. And so that includes, you know, hip to waist ratio, eye size, lips, like indicators of youth and fertility. Uh, and good genes like symmetry and things like that. So with that background, <laughs> tying into genuine women, I think these two ideas are bouncing on my head quite often, subconsciously and consciously. They're kind of correlating all the time of, you know, we see these women on social media or in the news, on TV, Back in the day in the 90s, it was like seeing them on magazines, right? And yeah. it took us a long time, I feel like, as a culture to be like, oh, that's not real. That's not really what women look like. So long. <laughs> like too long. Right? But we're still choosing to do that for ourselves. Yeah. Like women are still going online and enhancing their their filters or I don't even know how you do it. But I know that, like I've seen a couple pictures where I'm like, is that a real person? <laughs> totally. And like, th it's funny if you want to study the literature on 
intermating deceit across species like bugs do it it's crazy um humans do it as well men lie about their their resources um their income their financial situation and women lie about their their age and their weight and you know like physical indicators of youth and and whatever and you know it's harmless to a certain extent like getting your eyelashes done for example but it but it's still lying right because you're you're showing oh hey i have these luscious eyelashes i've got good genes mate with me but they're fake <laughs> so anyways i just want to bridge that topic and just see where it takes us because we you and i do it too you know like we wear makeup sometimes and even yeah. mascara is a lie right. like it's an enhancement of our yeah, there's so much of it that like I can I kind of dig into, but the first thing that well there's a couple of things that come into my mind. The first thing that came into my mind, I'm not going to say until later, but one of the things is I remember this a book talking about and I can't remember it's probably some really Christian book. I don't remember what it was called, but sure it's on my shelf um where it talked about like why women are created and why men are created and there's also a book called men are from mars women are from venus or something and it kind of gets into this this idea as well of like men have all the like resources and knowledge just like you're saying and women have the appearance and the beauty and one always desires the other. Like we always desire each other. And that's not to say that women are not resourceful. Um, And this is essentially what you're saying too, is like, because we're innately programmed that beauty is what we're here to do and what we're here to provide, we then want to enhance it. Right. So I just think back to that of like, we want to be as beautiful as we can be. And if we're not meeting the current trends, then we want to meet them in some way, shape or form. I don't love it. I don't wear makeup like day to day. I like getting dressed up and putting on makeup, of course. But when I see society doing that or young girls like really doing that and all that, I, it breaks my heart, honestly, because it. I think it's you're not loving who you are. Um, you're trying to change it so that you can love who you are. Um, I just read a post recently too that was like, why don't you dance in front of the mirror naked? Like see how your body moves and flows and folds and, you know, wiggles and all that and love that. Like stop trying to suck it in or, you know, wear certain clothes to make it feel that way. Like love that version so that no matter what you're wearing, you're still loving yourself. And I'm like, I actually really like that idea of just, it's not even an idea. It's just more so like a, change of mindset. And I think a lot of times, yeah, we are, we're, we're deceiving the people around us. I've actually had this thought many times for myself of like, oh my gosh, should I catfish my husband a little bit? Like, and that's just such a silly thought. And I say like in a funny way to him and he's like, no, no, no. But like when we first met, I didn't wear glasses all the time and I wore makeup every time I saw him. And I mean, I've worn glasses since I was four years old, but like, obviously I got contacts when I was nine and things like that. And so it just, 
once the COVID hit, I like started wearing glasses every day. I'm like, why am I putting in contacts? And I stopped wearing makeup. And then the first day that I tried to put on any sort of makeup and put in my contacts, I looked in the mirror and I was like, that's not me. And I literally wiped off all of the makeup that I just put on and like put my glasses back on. And it was actually such a good feeling. So I was like, I got used to seeing the girl that didn't have any makeup and just wore glasses. And I liked her. And I didn't like the girl with makeup. I was like, who is that? So I think COVID was horrible, but I also think it had a lot of really good things about it. Anyways, that I hope was one of them. I heard that from many people, not just myself, that that was something that they they notice. But um, so, yeah, anyways, yeah, I think all of that is a form of deception, and in trying to increase your mate value, absolutely. The second thing that, well, this was the first thing that popped into my brain as we were talking is Eliza Schlesinger's, I always butcher her last name, but Eliza Schlesinger's um, bit about like scanning for enter intelligence, <laughs> mustache, must have, you know, like, and she's yeah. moving her arm up and down and like that bit, like, this is what it reminds me of. Like, we all have a checklist, but there's a reason we have that checklist of, like, what we want in, a, you know, a partner. Scanning for physical abnormalities. Yes. <laughs> but we're actually scanning for, like, I, I think we're more so scanning for behavior. Yeah. Um, but, like, like, one of the things she says, like, is his shirt cut too low for his ethnicity? Like, <laughs> we're scanning for that indicator of, like, internal, like, how he is, how, what his character is like, right? Yeah. It's like someone who does that just, just to be a peacock may not be the best father or, you know, whatever. Um, but if he's doing it for cultural reasons because it's the fashion – that's fine. You know, <laughs> totally. No, totally. I think there's always like this subconscious of like, well, if he does this, this means this. And it, and like, same for women. I think, I don't think guys are that complex. Definitely think women are more complex, but I, I do think that women are typically seen to men as like, I don't know, like what, what they see as beautiful and they, men typically stay true to it. I feel like is like what they, I, I think my husband is a prime example of like, he, he finds women who wear, you can tell wear way too much makeup, have the fake lashes, have the fake tits, like all of it. He's like, get me away from that. I don't want any part of it. Um, whereas like, I do think that there are men that love the fake lashes and the fake boobs and all that of just partially though, I think it says something about the man. So if you're a woman and you're kind of conforming to this way of being, I do think that when you find a man that likes all of those things, I do think that they are signaling to you so many different parts of them as a human. Um, and so I think as a woman, you have to you know, really think about, well, what kind of man do I want to attract at the same time? Yeah. Your example makes me think about this correlation between genuine people and them presenting themselves genuinely and their mate value level, right? It's like they scale it on uh, one through 10. And I do think that that 
in my head, it's the root of it. It's the root of being disingenuous Mm -hmm. for men and women. Totally. Totally. But here's the thing. And this just came to my brain of like, yes, I agree with that. Absolutely. I, I also think that there, and I, there's a whole reason why I think this way. It's just because I'm an adapter and that's just kind of how I am. And, but I do think there is an art or a finesse to being able to rise to the occasion. Right. So like, I, I'll just, I, I only have myself as an example, but I've also seen other people be this example as well as maybe not be this example. And I, I think that there is a middle ground and I'm, I'm through it. Like I said, I'm through and through an adapter. I'm a chameleon. You put me in a situation. I want to, I want to, I guess the words would be fit in, but it's more so I want to be a part or be able to um, I guess it's meet expectations. So all those words kind of make me feel like it's not a good thing, but again, that's kind of what an adapter is. Um, but like, okay, day in and day out, I wear, you know, workout clothes, no makeup, and I maybe brush my hair and I wear glasses. Right. And I work from home. So I'm able to do that. I'm on camera, but I look presentable. And then if I, this is a great example too. Like I went out with the girls on Friday night. So I wanted to get dressed up. What did I do? I put on heels. I put on a cute top and some jeans and I did my makeup and I did my hair and it was fun. Did I still look like myself? Yes. But was I wearing, like, did I need to wear scrubbies in order to go out? No. Like, I think that there is just this level, like we're not always going to be our best I don't want to say best version of ourselves. Cause I feel like workout clothes glasses me is a version of myself that I love. And I just think that there are different versions, but I think when you take it to the full extent of like, wow, you look in the mirror and you don't recognize that person is when it gets a little deception me. And I, I would hate, I, I, not that I would hate, I think I would, I feel for the girls that are in the stage of life where they feel like they have to do a lot to themselves to be satisfied with what they see in the mirror. And so it's, it's a hard one to swallow. Cause I think that it takes time. It does. It takes time to do the work, to get to the point where you love every version of yourself. Um, cause I don't think there's just one. I think there's multiple, um, But when we talk about being genuine and being, you know, having mate value and all these different various parts, I think it's just so, there's so many different folds of it. And it, it really is, what are you looking for? Who do you want to attract? What are, what are you, what are your values? Do you want them mirrored in your partner? Most likely the answer is yes. So like, where are those on your sleeve? Don't, you know, and if the fake eyelashes are part of it, okay, then be true to yourself that you want a man that values that as a beautification aspect, right? Like, and then don't be shocked that the moment that you take off those fake eyelashes, they're like, well, where did the fake eyelashes go? So that apart, that's a part of like catfishing, I guess you could say in a sense of like, you, you wore it to attract, but then you're no longer willing to wear it, even though that's an aspect of you that they liked. So it's just, 
taking all of that into account, I think, because it does, you change, you, you grow into a person that says, I don't feel like doing that anymore, or that maybe one day you don't have the money for it, all of that. So rant partially over, but <laughs> it's funny this topic. I am definitely thinking a lot more of Eliza Schlesinger's skits and her book, which is cool. And I wish I had, I wish we had watched some more recently back. I, I used to quote them. I mean, I, I know love, you love them. You turned me on to them. I was yeah. like such a, so she is so, it was all so relevant. Yeah. I do want to talk about stages though, because you mentioned that there's a stage where young girls like aren't quite to the point where they like what they see in the mirror. And I think that happens even if you're not young. Yeah. And I'm curious how you, so you're, your synopsis or your conclusion about like you have to look in the mirror and see okay that's me and I think people look in the mirror and see uh it's actually called something it's like a disorder where you see it's like body dysmorphia or something and um but that is your truth right that is what you see and I am curious, like, because we talk about this all the time, people don't look inward and see themselves accurately. It's like, we're always kind of lying about ourselves a little bit because we don't acknowledge those, those shadow parts of ourselves. People really don't do that. And you and I had plenty of discussions about that and kind of nudging up against those borders and then getting scary. And I, like, I totally see that, but then the mirror is that is literally the physical embodiment of that thing that is telling you you're aging, you are fat, you have cellulite, you you have these physical indicators that decrease your mate value. Now what do you do about that, right? Like I I'm I'm wondering how we go through these stages as a genuine person because like for me, I mean I grew up with three brothers and I do remember being raised that like women tempt men sexually and so that's why we're evil and that that physical beauty is the reason for that eventually put two and two together and you're like okay then I can't value like my dad would chop my hair off I couldn't expose my feet in sandals like just crazy stuff of like yeah cover up cover up your beauty so that men aren't tempted and and that's been prevalent in our society but I don't, I, I don't. Not to that extreme, but you know. It's... My point is like, I think that helped me because that's oh. all I ever show. Like, I, okay. It, it helped me in a way that like, I don't value beauty in the same way other women do. Like, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand why people spend so much time. You see soul beauty. Yeah, maybe that helped me develop that. Like, I like seeing people's eyes, like seeing how they present themselves. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you're getting into so many different like areas, but I do think that there's a couple of things. So one would be, you know, women tempting men based on their beauty, right? Like, I think this is a whole Honestly, it could be a whole podcast, I believe, because 
in our society nowadays, and I'll try to keep it short. Cause like I said, I think it could be a whole podcast, but in our society, like there is, we're at a, we're at a standstill or like a draw, if you will, of like, I believe half the society is sitting here saying like, let women be women. They should be able to wear whatever they want. Like let them love their bodies and all that. And then there's the other side, more conservative side that's saying, well, they should cover up. Like they're tempting men. They're doing this. They're bringing it upon themselves, like all these different things. And it's very controversial. Right. And I don't, I, I see both sides. I've, again, I'm always the person that's in the middle. I'm like, they both make sense. And here's where I get to a point of, I do think that it's interesting that that kind of helped you like, you know, cover up, do these things, whatever. But I think that it helped you value a different part of yourself. It was a very extreme thing for sure. I think it helped you value the inside of yourself rather than the outside. And I do think there is a big movement out there that is talking about, body image for young kids and how that forms their brain around those topics. Um, and like if a five-year-old is chubby, it's cute. It's okay. And all these things. But the fact that we say it out loud, like we're looking chubby. It's so cute. Like, look at that tummy. Like at five years old, they can still process the fact that they know chubby isn't good. Right. Or like, it then presents the word chubby and they might say it to a kid at school and that could stick in that kid's brain of like, well, I'm chubby and all these different things. Right. So it starts at a very young age. And so just body image in and of itself, like valuing the brain over the body, I think is a big movement happening right now. Neither here nor there. I think, I think that the brain itself is what we hold on to from childhood Hey, well, we could wear delicate gloves all day long. And I think that it's never going to turn out perfect. I fully believe that. Like there's no, I don't know. I, I, that's again, another topic for maybe a different day, but in terms of like being genuine and holding some of that to heart, um, is presenting your best self based on what you know, and that takes getting to know yourself. So it's just this, this big circle of, yeah, present, presenting your best self to your potential mate does require knowing yourself. And if you don't feel like you know yourself yet, then present the self that you think, you know, you know, like take your best shot. I don't know. I, there's this big piece of all of that, that I'm thinking of 20, like younger twenties me. And I'm like, she didn't know who she was, which is why nothing was working out for her until she figured it out. So, but I do think that as we get, as people age and, you know, get into their thirties and date in their thirties and forties, I do think that it just gets more difficult in the sense, not, not, maybe not difficult. You already know yourself. So you're presenting what you know. And so you get into a place maybe of, well, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. And you're not really willing to conform because you've been by yourself perhaps for a while. 
And that's okay. I think that's also like weighted out in that sense. I'm not trying to give dating advice. It sounds like I'm trying to give dating advice, but it's interesting, like thinking of this topic in terms of age. Yeah. I I don't think we actually genuinely know ourselves, to be honest, because if we did, we would do the work in the shadow realm. And I don't think people do that for the most part. Like, I I think we change over time and we We don't pay attention to the, our proclivities to change for the worse, let's say, and don't pay attention to the subtle adjustments that happen along the way. And that's what happens in marriage, right? I'm just listening to a podcast where uh, Lex Friedman, he's interviewing a divorce lawyer and the divorce lawyer's theory is like, it just happens smallly. You just start to shift and, you know, it happens with the really small things and then it ends in, in cheating or whatever. And people aren't paying attention to those little incremental things. And that's why I'm like, if you really want to be a genuine person, you look in the mirror and you see the hypothetical cellulite areas of your soul, let's say, or your gaps. And you say, yeah, I got, I got those gaps. You need to be harder, hard on yourself and, and not in the sense of like, okay, this means I have no value. And this is why I think Christianity is really great. Like the message is great because it's like, he who without sin, throw the first stone, search your heart and you're full of the darkness, right? Like you're, you're not just a being of light and yeah, man, I mean, I don't think people can admit that about themselves. So I, and I think that is part of the reason why we, we cover up our flaws. We're just constantly trying to present that we're perfect and not actually doing the work required, like exercising, for example, like that's a physical thing, but it enhances your brain. It enhances your, your heart. Like it enhances all aspects of your life. It gets rid of the cellulite it, you know, or like having a good diet. Do, do we do that? Well, some people do. My husband does. I do not. (laughs) Like, so what the heck am I doing? Like, why am I not doing the work? I don't know. I'm okay. So yes, I actually thought of that analogy too, of just like, exercise. And the thing that like really has come up for me to exercise or inward work, whatever it is, is, and same with like my job right now, it's like, okay, I need to put in the work on current me or do what I need to do right now for future me. And she's going to thank me later. And like what that makes me think of. And it almost like when I first, like I've, I think in some way, shape or form, I've read that quote many times or whatever that like, you know, idea many times. But I think when I think about like having kids, future me is a very different version of me right now. We all know it. Like when you have kids, you totally, you know, you, you shift and change into your life just completely changes. And so it brings me to like that hits home right now because it's going to be so vastly different. And so it's, I think when you bring that piece into it, where it's not just yourself, it's your family unit, your, uh, your husband, like just multiple factors. That's when it stays true. And like, I'm, I mean, it, I think also probably the fact that I'm a people pleaser, I'm not just pleasing 
myself now, but I'm pleasing my future self. Like there's another quote unquote person in the mix, if you will, Mm -hmm. like that almost is a motivator. And two, like, I mean, I am doing it for someone else. I'm doing it for my future kids. I'm doing it for my husband right now. Like I'm doing it. I, I want to stick around for these people. I don't want to wither away and, you know, like not be me or not be the best version of myself. Yeah. Like I, I'm full well aware that like, if I don't work out and if I don't get sunshine and if I don't eat correctly, I am a bear of bad news. Like it's just not, it's not the person that I want to be. It's I'm, I'm horrible. Like some of my friends have made comments recently of like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And I'm like, I have to eat or else I'm going to bite your head off. And it's like, I don't know when the shift happened, but like different things like that. Like I haven't shown like that ugly side to a lot of people. And like, it's almost like that filter came off. And I was like, you know what? I don't, I'm not going to try to hold this in any longer. Like I am just going to, I need to freaking eat and you need to respect that or else I'm going to be annoying and you're not going to like it. And I don't know. It's like, I, I no longer could, that's not a strength that I have any longer to be able to hide that or something. I don't know, but I think that's also part of being the most genuine part of myself. Like my friends need to know that. And that's also a boundary that I have to keep for myself. So feed me. (laughs) Yeah. But okay. Let me, let me reverse it a bit because this happened on my wedding weekend when Mm -hmm. I snapped at you and I was like, you know, me, you know, I'm not a night person and I get tired. And if you need something from me and you did, you like asked me, you like needed me to be okay with you and like demonstrate that, like you needed me to act a certain way. Right. And I just, I couldn't, I was like, I just need to be tired. So let me be tired. And it was so not fair. Right. So that's why I'm reversing the roles is like, I apologize to you twice because what I did was wrong. Right. Like I know that was wrong. It was my genuine self. Yeah. (laughs) So, but, and I think, you know, you knew what I did was wrong. Like, I think it was not good for you to receive that, right? Even though you know that's how I am. Like right. even like I could explain it away. So I was just flipping it for that. Yeah. Like, like, ex- I don't know, like saying, oh, I'm hangry. That's why I'm treating you poorly. It's like, okay. Well, well. <laughs> yes. And maybe I took it to an extreme because I don't get me wrong in those situations. I still apologize. Like in no way, yeah. shape or form am I sitting here and be like, well, take it or leave it. It's me. Well, like, like you kind of no, did like, just say that. Like that's I did just say that, but <laughs> I I also like I I'm pretty sure I more so meant I know that I more so meant of like I've hit that part of myself for so long and I try to appease everyone else around me and now yeah. I'm just kind of letting it out. I still apologize for it, but at least like I'm not keeping it in. And I'm also like Yes. Again, I apologize for it. Cause I am like, my, my friend looked at me and she goes, you're being mean. <laughs> and I, was like, I know, but I'm hungry. Like, yeah. I'm not going to like, this is not sustainable for me. <laughs> well, you know, the solution, right? Yeah. And your friends probably know the solution if they know you well. And 
you just can't get past that animal response. That's your shadow self, right? That's the monster that comes out. Eliza Schlesinger calls it her. She's so okay. There's the party gremlin, or there's the party goblin. The goblin. There's also the like the snack dragon. Like, yeah, okay, you need to go. And she slams the door behind the guy after one night stand. And she's like, (laughs) she's puffing her wings. Yes. Popped on on the counter and just like (laughs) shoveling snacks in. (laughs) Like, held it together for so long. Right. Like, you really are a dragon on the inside. Yes, I am a dragon. Like, I very much am. And like, Here's the thing. I, again, like I held it in for so long and I'm kind of, it's freeing to have my friends know that part of me. And they're like, oh no, she's going to get mean. We need to go eat. I'm like, yeah, you need to advocate for me because no one wants to see that. And like, I can't, I can't sometimes change the whole tide of a whole group of like, let's go eat something. Sometimes it just ain't happening. Like I need other people to be on my side too. So yeah, it's just funny. And like, yeah, I, I very much am that the dragon side. And I also think that there are other factors like right now, I think many factors and even before I didn't, I wasn't able to put a name to them either before of why I was cranky. I was cranky a lot. And like, I didn't, I don't know. I always had a headache and like, now knowing that I like don't have to live with a headache all the time when I do get a headache I'm like almost extra cranky right and so I don't remember it being like this bad with food like I I don't know like I also think that there's something to say that like our bodies do change just like our inner selves change like I think our bodies change into what we need based on age. Like I, I don't, I mean, that's kind of saying obvious, obviously being like 20 and being 70 are very different and what you need, but like, mm-hmm. what if we were, I don't know. I, I don't, a 20 year old can't grasp the fact that one day we're going to be, you know, 70 years old and decrepit, you know, like, I don't know. That's not 70 and decrepit, probably more like 90 and decrepit, but like, <laughs> you know, like we can't grasp that. And so I think, I, there's gotta be something out there that we can create that allows a 20 year old to realize that if you treat yourself nicely now, it's not going to be as bad when you're 60, 70, 80. I don't think we can even grasp it now though. Cause like, I don't know what's more important, but I do my brain training and take courses and like build up my, in my brain. Right. Cause I'm so scared of what I, of like losing that part of me. Yeah. But I don't know, like, what it's going to be like for me. Like, I I don't think we can until we're there. And, like, especially the middle-aged woman thing. Like, I told you before I want to study their perceptions because I think something happens in our brains that we don't know about yet. Our, it happened to our moms. Yeah. And I think it's going to happen to us. Yeah. And I want to be aware of, like, those different changes and stages and stuff because... I think it's going to, I think it could take us out. Yeah. The hormone, those hormones that leave our bodies do a lot for us. But I do think that because we are, because I've heard of people's moms not being aware of what the hell is going on to their body. 
and them just being these crazy lunatics and no one wanting to like approach them. And to me, I'm like, well, I feel like I know myself well enough and I catch myself in those places. And I'm like, wait a second, pulse check what's going on. And like, I don't think I, I stand by the fact that I think there is an imbalance to what people, what women, no, just people in different generations are willing to look at. And I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think that not everyone is, and then maybe it's not generational. Maybe it's just simply that like, not everyone is on the same path of getting to know themselves super well. And that's okay. But I also, I, I fully believe that you and I, we will fully, full well know what the hell is going on because we will literally be like, I feel nuts. And like, I think we'll, we'll be able to attribute it to that. Yeah. I don't know. I think when our beauty is gone and our mate value plummets in that way, I don't know what the heck happens to our insides. And I want to know, Mm. like we can see how we, our behaviors will manifest, Mm. right? Like I see the pathway before me in my mother and she stayed beautiful for a long time. So, but it was clear she had like some internal chaos that she couldn't deal with. So I don't know, like, that's how, that's what I see happening for me. But I'm like, I want to know what happens inside her brain, like where that switch happens so that I can be aware of it and try and take a different path. Yeah. I also, I think it's helpful to have a woman partner in that, (laughs) that makes sense. So like, I picture us like staying obviously friends till the grave, but like, (sighs) I picture us going through that together and being like, okay, well, what about this? Or like, what, what the hell just happened? And like pointing it out, like pointing out the being a mirror and pointing it out. Like, I don't, if we're both in it, do you think we'll see it though? I think w- when women engage in that with their, you know, middle-aged friends, they just end up like <laughs> in this cycle where they sit and drink wine and complain. And I don't know, like, I now, I mean, look at us, no us, like, look at, like, we are not, I don't think we're going to lose our habit for like picking out the pieces parts of each other if that makes sense or like being I don't think we see it if we see it I think we're going to be like fish in in water and neither of us can see the water like you know what I mean like I think we're gonna we're gonna be so blind and I think that's what happens just to our insides all the time is like we're just blind to what's happening and like you can't tell me what's happening inside of me right now right right and I can't tell you what's happening inside of you right now but we can talk. No about- one knows what's happening inside of me. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah, I don't know because I just I see, I see a lot of people engaging in this unspoken. Okay, we all know you have Botox, but nobody's going to say it out loud. You know what I mean? And nobody's yeah. going to say it out loud means you're never going to get to the bottom of why you got Botox. You know, like right. 
whether it was a healthy thing or an unhealthy thing or a good thing or a bad thing, like you can't acknowledge it. So you can't look at it. And then we can't have that conversation. And I, I agree with you. I don't think we're like that, but we might become like that. Like you never know. So we get, we just got to like stay alert to the subtle changes. Like I was saying before. Tell me a subtle change. I don't know. <laughs> like all I can I all I can say is examples from like romantic relationships, right? So like the divorce lawyer I was just listening to, he his example is granola. Like a husband used to buy the granola that he that his wife really liked because one time he listened to her pointed out and said, I like that granola more. Like this is my favorite granola. And he did that for years. And then one year he couldn't find the granola. So he bought her a different brand and he brought that home and it was left unspoken. But her experience was, oh, he's no longer prioritizing getting the granola I like because he no longer cares about getting that right. And his experience is, I don't know, like I'm not paying attention to any of this. And then it like slowly escalated from there. This is like actually a real case that he had. And then eventually like she felt like he wasn't listening to her and he felt underappreciated because she had put up a wall and then he cheated. (laughs) But it was like, it started with granola, you know, and you can, you can usually pinpoint where it starts. And if you're not paying attention to those things, then like, and you're not airing it out right then and there. Right. Right. It's like, well, that's always my thing. I'm like, well, why didn't she just ask, hey, what happened to my granola? Well, like, because why? that's, that's criticism. Like, it's not a big deal in the moment. And we all don't do that. Like, but if she's subconsciously or consciously thinking like, oh, he doesn't care or something, like, it obviously is. So, like, ask. You don't do that. You don't say, oh, I had a thought and it was a bad thought. But I'm just overthinking it and then let it go. I know you do that. You've told me you do that. It happens like in your relationship with your friendships, like it happens to everybody, but it's like you. you I usually try to, especially when it's like comes to my husband and I, I usually try to bring it up in some way, shape or form because I need clarity. So I usually be like. I don't know. In that example, I'd be like, oh, man, what did, were they out of my granola or like, you know, make light of it or something. And then I don't know. I'm not saying I'm perfect or that that wouldn't happen to us. I don't think it would happen to us, but I just feel like if you truly are needing clarity on something or I don't know, I just, I ask questions. I'm, I'm like a, something like that, especially like if it's something I like, or like, I'm not noticing that, like, I didn't have yogurt or something, that would be something like, Hey, I asked for yogurt. Did they not have it? And then you'd be like, yeah, they were out of coconut yogurt. And it's like, okay. But yeah, if I were to like leave it and be like, well, he didn't get my coconut yogurt. I think you're taking the example too literally. I am. (laughs) And I, I think it's more like, there are things in your relationship that you choose to ignore, but have bad thoughts about and will eventually become bigger things. Like everyone's got that. Right. And it's because you think, okay, well maybe if I bring this up, he'll feel like I'm criticizing him or. Which um, is, I think also 
wise. Like there's a line of wisdom of like, okay, I know him well enough that if I were, if we were to talk about this right now, it wouldn't be good for us, but I can bring it up later and it would be better. Or I need to work on my wording for that situation so that it doesn't feel like criticism. Like, I think there's a balance of like, okay, I'm not going to say it in the moment because I know my, I'm not in like the right place to say it. But usually I still bring it up, especially if it's festering. I'm like, hello, can we talk about this? So I don't know. I, I, I will be the first to say that, yeah, I do have bad thoughts about certain things and I tend to like let them go, but I, I feel like I always bring them up at some point in time, whether it's in the moment or like later on of like, Hey, I was thinking about this. And it's usually something that's happened between us or like he said something to me and I didn't like it or something. Like I usually say something. That's the pact that we also made to each other of like, we have to always communicate. And like, you don't like something that I did. You need to tell me. Or something's bothering you, you need to like clearly tell me about it because not communicating is not an option. Yeah. I don't think that we always are certain that our responses are correct. And so for me, like this guy, he gave like the best response right? Like, here's how you can kindly and tactfully bring it up in the moment. But mine is always like, oh, I noticed this. There's that, you know, you it's know? like super abrupt. And <laughs> mine seems, can be that way too. Yeah, It feels like Curtis, but I'm like, I don't care. That's what we agreed to is like, we're going to say things that we see. And if what we think we see isn't actually there, then the other, it's the other person's job to be like, that's not actually there. And here's how I know here's like, my five pieces of evidence, right? (laughs) Like, so you need to think more clearly and that's how we'll orient each other properly. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like, so I definitely am like, I hear what you're saying because I could see you being that way, but I also feel part of being a part of a relationship is knowing yourself well enough to know that like my reaction is usually pretty abrasive and my partner doesn't usually receive that abrasiveness well. So I have to step around it a little bit and be considerate of their feelings. Like to me, that's, that's part of being a part of a couple. Right. And so I, I try to be very conscious of that. And I think it's, it's, hard because I, I do think that sometimes when I feel that way, like I'm, I'm being so considerate of whether it's a friend or your husband or whatever, like I'm being so considerate of their feelings. And then you feel like perhaps the other person is just being like wetting off and just saying whatever first comes to mind in the moment. It's like, well, i I take a lot of time to think about what I'm going to say. And I, it's interesting to think that maybe the other person doesn't. And so that's usually where I'm like, well, I'm thankful that they're at least saying it. That is something that I've definitely come to agreement of. Like, just say it. Like, don't not say it for fear of hurting my feelings. I would rather you just say it, hurt my feelings, and then we think of it and talk about it. Um, 
And I'll try to control my reactions to the things that you say that you think are going to hurt my feelings, you know? So it's like, there's just this, you, I don't know. We, I know my husband and I have very much come to the conclusion or the agreement of like, okay, we're just going to say it and like understand and know how each other reacts. It's just like him waking up super cranky in the morning. In the beginning, I took it so personally, like it was a personal attack. And now I'm like, I giggle at it. And like, you are my husband, like you're mine. Like I just, I don't really, this is what I get. And I like wake him up and he almost bites my head off. And I'm like, okay, this is what I signed up for and I'm accepting it. So it's just like, you know, so it's stuff like that where I'm like, I feel like I'm just, I get used to things more and more and more as it happens. So yeah, we definitely have like the opposite partners going on. Like I am, I am your husband and you are my husband and we're just symbiotic and that, but like, yeah, yeah. I've, I've had to get used to like, yeah, the, his, like his semi-abrasive responses to some of the things I do. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try not to take that personally because I'm at least glad that you're saying something. But at the end of the day, I also am very conscious of how I say things to you so as to not hurt your feelings. So it's just this hard, hard balance of like, okay, we're two broken people living together and we're, we're navigating it and it's, we're going to shift and change and we're we have to navigate it. But at the end of the day, I have to deal with myself. I have to be able to look at myself in the mirror and say, okay, yeah, you took that really personally. Why? Right. Like I, that is the only person that I can control. And also am I in the wrong? Like I like to deal, like have those conversations with myself because guess what? I hate when people tell me that I'm wrong. I don't, I, I want to be able to prove to myself that I'm wrong first, before someone else can jump in and say, nope, this is why you're wrong and all that. Because guess what? I can construe that all day long into that person's manipulating me into thinking that I'm wrong. Like I need to be on in the zone with myself in order to believe that I am wrong from someone else. I So I think it's just a difference in values. And my husband and I have both agreed that we would rather treat each other like we're resilient and strong and can handle Mm -hmm. abrasive and direct confrontation arguments Mm -hmm. and get through it. And we do not want to treat each other like we're too sensitive or too weak or coddle each other. So with that, it's become clear that he's definitely the more sensitive in response to my abrasive, you know, pointing things out. It's like burning with the light, right? Like you're shining light on it, but it's burning because it's like too intense, whatever. But he still is on board with it's better for us to directly confront something and treat each other like we're big enough and strong enough to do that. So the coddling piece would not go over like, oh, I'm carefully selecting my words and thinking about how, no, we're both big enough and strong enough and and secure enough in our love for each other that we're not going to. You know, like we would rather treat each other that way. I, and you know, I agree with that, that stance. And I think, I don't know. I think that that is a good move to make. Like I, I, who knows? I, I want to be able to be accepting of that. I want to be able to accept the words and not feel upset 
but I do think that they're, I want it in clear and concise manner, right? Like I want it to be, you're being snappy and I don't have to take those words right now. Are you okay? Like something like that of like, I recognize that you're being snappy this morning. Did you, are, are you, are you okay? And also like, please don't talk to me that way. And that would be, that, that would be great. Right. Like I, I would like to accept that sentence, but when I'm being snappy (laughs) and I'm in a snappy place, I'm like, well, that wasn't my intention. I didn't even know I was being snappy. And now you're coming at me. That doesn't feel good. And it's like, I don't want it to not feel good because at the end of the day, I also, I shouldn't talk to anyone that way. Right. So it's just like, uh, there's so many sides of it of like, I want to receive genuine good feedback, but at the same time, I don't, I don't want it all the time. I just want to live my life. You know, like that's kind of the side of me that's like, gosh, I don't know. There's just so many bits and pieces of like, man, <laughs> like I don't want to have to talk to someone in the morning. Like, I don't know. Like there's just so many, so many parts of it that like, I, I struggle, not struggle with because I, I love, I'm more chipper with my husband in the morning than I am with anyone else. And I'm more willing to do things for him, like cooking breakfast and stuff than anyone else. So there is a, a part of me that's like, okay, I just don't want to, I don't know. It's just interesting. It's interesting to think about because I'm very much of like, I wasn't full this morning as a prime example. I wasn't fully aware that I was being snappy until he pointed it out. And that's not usually like me. I'm pretty aware. Although I did wake up being like, Oh, I don't want to get up. Like I feel groggy. I feel tired, all that. So yeah, I don't know. I went down a yeah. lot there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I feel like we'll just always keep going on different tangents and topics with this one because it's, it's so big. And ultimately our, our aim is to figure out what it means to be a genuine woman. Right. And that's why I want to keep talking about this topic. What does it mean to be disingenuous and what motivates that? And I do think the bottom of that is mate value, right? Presenting yourself in a way that's not entirely accurate to who you are so you can enhance your mate value. I would agree. I think we came to that. Yeah, I think we came to that conclusion. I really do. I think a big part of this topic is the foundation of kind of what we're talking about. And I think it's going to be peppered into just about every episode in some way, shape or form, whether we're naming it as mate value or not, it does attribute and go back to this specific, I guess, does he call it a theory or is it more of like a, yeah. it's like okay. an evolutionary theory. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we can safely say that because of like you say all the time, like our animal brain it's always going to be there of just like, how do we present ourselves in this way? And granted, you know, you could ask anyone off the street and they'll be like, well, it's the trend and I want to go with the trend, but it's no, it's, it really is at the root of it. Mm 
mate value for sure. Yeah. If we can put a name to it, there's so much that we can unpack and we've proven that we can unpack of like motivators for, for our female actions. And are they actually genuine in what we want? Right. Right. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, we will talk to you next week. That's all for now. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. Find us on Instagram, The Genuine Gals. Our website is thegenuinegals.com. We'd love to hear from you guys on, on what you think and honestly, what else you'd like to hear us talk about. So we'll catch you next week. <laughs>